0: Rock Radio. The future of Radio. radio, 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 radio.
1: to Food Integrity Now. I'm Carol Grave, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Spath. Welcome, Matt.
2: Hello, Carol.
1: And we're really excited about our show today. We have on our show Dave Gardner. Dave is a professional filmmaker. He's produced a PBS series. He has worked with award-winning, done award-winning films with clients like American Airlines, Coca-Cola, IBM, and even Enron. So welcome, Dave.
3: Thank you. It's great to be here, Carol.
1: And Dave's current film, which we're very excited about um, it coming out in September, is called Growth Busters, Hooked on Growth. And Dave, rather than me explain that, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your film?
3: Well, I'd be glad to. Thank you. Uh, In a nutshell, the film examines our modern culture's love affair with growth, our worship of growth everlasting, as I like to call it, and uh, examines the sustainability of it and inquires as to, uh, you know, what it is that keeps us hooked on growth, even though if you read the news every day, if you get the same news I do, the evidence is remarkably clear that the scale of the human enterprise has outgrown the planet. Uh, So I've been curious about why it is that we continue business as usual and the and the in the face of that kind of evidence.
1: So what areas do you cover in the film? Can you be a little bit more specific with us?
3: Well, I can. And I think, I thought since your uh, audience, I assume is uh, a little more interested in food than, than uh, some of the other subjects. I thought let's just take food for it. For instance, I've just uh, grabbed a few headlines. I'm pretty sure these headlines are all just from like the last three months. Uh, listen to some of these, the great food crisis of 2011. World moves closer to food price shock. Renowned economists' outlook darkens on global food prospects. The next bubble, farmland. Uh, China's ability to feed its people, questioned by UN expert. Uh, and it's not just China. Britain facing food crisis as world's soil vanishes in 60 years. These are the kinds of headlines that certainly concern me and and are some of the things that got me excited about this subject and caused me to decide to research it and produce the the growth busters film. And uh, my curiosity was, well, why, if we're getting this kind of, uh, if we're getting this kind of news, we know that we have uh, 2 billion people who are uh, either starving or uh, malnourished. Uh, we, We struggle to feed them. We're going to incredible extremes to try to figure out how to keep feeding the nearly 7 billion people on the planet today. Projected to uh, to reach nine billion by the middle of this century and possibly keep climbing, um, we are facing the sixth mass species extinction in the history of the planet. Uh, we're facing freshwater crises. Uh, there are countries today that are uh, are nearly uh, have nearly depleted their aquifers and they will not be able to grow their own grain. They'll become uh, grain importers within a couple of years. So. All of these things are going on, and, and yet what do we do? We, uh, we're we intent on continuing to expand the scale of the enterprise. And my, by that I mean uh, continue to grow our population and continue to grow our economies. So uh, the film looks at what it is that keeps us on this business-as-usual course, even though it, all the evidence indicates that we're really in a convertible speeding toward a cliff with Thelma and Louise, right? <laughs> you know, right. we ought to be, uh, why aren't we stepping on the brake? Why aren't we turning the wheel? What's keeping us from doing that? And, uh, I found that there are three really powerful forces that, that are preventing us from changing course, uh, from acting rationally. And so the film will spend quite a bit of time, uh, going into those. And, and why would I do that? Well, that's how we take the power away from those forces. When there's something that's got a grip on us, that's keeping us in this case, hooked on growth, the first step in uh, taking the power away from that force is just to be aware of it and begin to understand it.
1: So can you expand on that a little bit? What are those areas, that sure. are the three areas?
3: Be happy to. Uh, well, the first one is this cultural mythology we have. We have uh, a profound, very strong cultural myth that growth leads to prosperity, and that growth is essential for prosperity. And I think that's pretty clear if you just look at the Uh, look at the landscape today that uh, cities compete for population growth. Uh, States, territories do that. And even nations today, uh, there are nations that are experiencing moderate population decline. And what are they doing? They're actually providing financial incentives to encourage uh, families to have more children, to have children sooner. Um, That's being hooked on growth. Now, why are they doing that? I believe that it's not because they're in love with population growth, but it is because we've got this holy grail of economic growth. And Certainly, if you just turn on the news today, you'll, you know, you'll see the evidence of that. Everybody is focused on how do we, in the United States, how do we get this economy moving again? How do we create jobs? Why aren't people going to the malls and buying more stuff so that we have to manufacture more stuff and that creates more jobs? Well, we've kind of gotten ourselves into this. Ponzi scheme, <laughs> yeah. really. But I'm getting off track. So we've got this. We've got this myth because we've got a. We're near the end of a you know 200 year binge. It's been very successful. Economic growth has provided us with a lot of uh, a lot of wonderful things. We've really improved the quality of our lives. Uh, so how do you argue with success? Well, we have a great opportunity here to uh, for our culture to mature and progress. Beyond that, uh, what I would call an immature stage, this gimme, 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 more, more, more stage, and and move into a a new model that is a whole lot more fulfilling and a whole lot more sustainable. But we've got to get our uh, we've got to understand that that's just a myth. This it's a story we tell ourselves, but we tell it to ourselves over and over again, and that leads me to the force number two, and that is there are uh, entities. Uh, individuals and companies in the world that really profit from growth. They make a lot of money from growth. They're the growth profiteers. I call them the growth pushers. And it's in their interest, uh, short-term interest, to, uh, to keep us hooked. And so what do they do? They keep us uh, fed with a steady diet of propaganda that reinforces that cultural myth. And it's pretty easy to do because we've got the myth. We've been you know, programmed from birth to believe that growth is good. Uh, we should all we should all seek it. So uh, they just keep us uh, fed with a steady stream of growth is good. How do we get more growth so that we don't question that? Yeah. Uh, so that propaganda is uh, force number two. And then force number three, I found, is there are some really interesting psychosocial phenomena that uh, that keep us from uh, they stand in our way. They keep us from really assessing the the, the true nature of the crises that are, are before us. So even though we get the news reports about species extinction. We get the news reports about fisheries collapse, but where is the outrage?
1: Right, we're, it's passivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And so there's a, some real interesting things like bystander effect that kind of keep us just sort of going along with the crowd. I think the most interesting one though is uh, called shifting baselines. I don't know if you've heard about that, but it's it's that things change just slowly enough that we don't perceive them. We're we're really Built to perceive changes that happen rapidly and we don't tend to uh, evaluate today's conditions based on the way they were 50 years ago or even 10 years ago we sort of say well is it warmer today than yesterday or maybe if we're lucky we might compare this year to last year Uh, so the fact that uh, uh, the the biodiversity has changed a lot in the last decade you know we don't really notice that because it's just a little bit it's a little bit at a time it's it's that uh, you know the old adage that if you put a frog into a pot of boiling water, he'll sense the danger and hop right out. But if you put him into r- water at room temperature and slowly raise the the temperature, he won't notice, right. and he'll. Uh, it turns out that that's not true, um, which is good for the frog. So the real question is that are, is good. <laughs> yeah, but the question is, are we? Who is smarter, uh, the human race or frogs? <laughs> and so far I think the frogs are winning because we tend to not notice that the water is slowly heating up.
1: Yeah, that's so true. When something happens really gradually, you know, even even like with our food supply, with GMOs, I mean, you know, GMOs were introduced how many years ago into our food supply? 10,
2: ten, ten, ten 12 years ten, ago. 10,
1: 12 years ago. And they were gradually released into the food supply. And now You know 70 80 percent of everything in the grocery store is you know it's like how did this happen well it's been happening gradually
3: and wouldn't you say that like even the taste you know we've given up taste uh through factory farming the way we get most of our food today a tomato you know unless you make a conscious effort to get a locally grown fresh tomato uh it really doesn't you hardly can taste the thing yeah. Uh, if if that change had happened overnight, I think we all would have said, "Oh, hold the phone, not yeah. buying this."
1: Yeah. Well, Matt, you were talking about eating uh, organic broccoli from Pachamama Farms, and you said it, it's our friend's organic farm that he'd never tasted broccoli like this before.
2: It was amazing the flavors I had never tasted before in broccoli that just made it delicious. Yep. But I think we just slowly gave that up
3: slowly gave that up and it was just slowly enough we didn't even notice
1: yeah it's kind of i like to call it while we were sleeping you know and uh you know it's time to pay attention need a wake-up call
3: it is and you mentioned gmos and i think uh that's just one example of the desperate moves that we're making today to try to uh to stay on this track you know we're uh there's a lot of focus on uh, on GMOs. I mean, what have we what have we introduced? Pesticides, or besides, uh, we figured out how to convert uh, petroleum into into food. Uh, we've gone to factory farms. Uh, we, you know, we raise chickens in horrid circumstances, and uh, we do all of these things in order to keep feeding a growing population, and uh, really a population that's becoming. That's moving higher up the food chain, that expects more. Uh, more and more of the world's population is moving toward becoming meat eaters, and that uses up a lot of, a lot of water. Well, how many conversations are there out there about uh, the population growth being uh, a driver of that? Not very many. People are focusing on, we've got to eliminate GMOs, we've got to find water instead right. of population.
1: Well, this is all very interesting. We are going to take a break. You are listening to Food Integrity Now. We have filmmaker Dave Gardner talking about his movie Growth Busters. We'll be right back.
0: You are looking for some flavorful, healthy, fresh food. Come out to Maximilian's Cafe in Woodland Park, Colorado, focusing on local, fresh ingredients with a changing seasonal menu. Located at 209 East Midland Avenue, Woodland Park, Colorado, right off Highway 24 in downtown. Our walls are full of local artist artwork, And on Friday and Saturday nights, we feature local singers, songwriters, and performers to entertain you while you relax and enjoy a fun environment, a glass of wine, and fantastic food. Open seven days a week from 11 to 9 p.m., 11 to 8 p.m. on Sunday and Monday.
4: Experiencing anxiety, anger, depression, or low self esteem? Do you beat yourself up or sabotage what you truly want to achieve? Hi, this is Jeannie Smith, and at Open Heart Healing, I combine counseling, Gestalt Therapy, and Taiyi Energy work to assist those who truly desire to bring quality and joy back into their lives. My office is located on South Perry Street here in Castle Rock. Call me for a free consultation at 303 660 6373. Again, that- That's 303-660-6373 or visit me at openhearthealing.com.
5: Holistic Pathways is your local herbal medicine clinic. You can find them online at holisticpathways.com. Holistic Pathways supplies certified organic and ethically wildcrafted bulk medicinal herbs, herbal extracts, and essential oils. Holistic Pathways offers Mayan abdominal massage and specializes in women's health and fertility. Call 720-570-2454 to speak to a certified clinical herbalist today. That's Holistic Pathways at 720-570-2454.
1: Welcome back to food integrity. Now we're talking with Dave Gardner about his upcoming film growth busters. And Dave, we were talking a little bit about the three different areas that you have mentioned that you discuss in your film that we've overconsumed. Is that, is that a good way of putting it or over
3: overshot overshot?
1: Yeah. Um, and, and I'm curious a little bit, uh, so, how do you think we've overshot in the area of of our food and water supply?
3: Well, let's see. I, uh, you know, what I my job as a filmmaker and uh, and journalist really is to is to observe what's going on, and uh, you know the 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 facts that are coming across my desk every day are the things that really scare me related to food. Uh, uh, Lester Brown, who's one of the uh, runs the Earth Policy Institute, who is a a renowned world expert on uh, food, he, he tends to focus a lot of his energy and his research staff uh, on, on food. He is raising a lot of alarms about what he sees changing, and it seems like it's changing really fast. A lot of things do, you know. That you've heard of the hockey stick. Well, when you talk about population, there's a this hockey stick curve where, for you know, millions and millions of years, human population didn't really rise that fast, but because it is still exponential growth uh eventually it just takes off because it's doubling our population's been on the planet's been doubling every uh 20 to 70 years over the past few centuries um i'm seeing that happening now with food all where we've always had a number of people that are hungry certainly that's been a problem and in fact there've been a few years where we actually reduced the number of of people who were i guess officially going to bed hungry every night but for the most part that keeps on increasing, but the, uh, it looks like it is now uh, fixing, fixing to just explode. Uh, part of the reason is that the uh, uh, Chinese and the Indian nations who are very heavy populations are uh, uh, becoming Americanized. You know, they're, they are moving up the food chain. They're starting to eat better. They're eating more meat, and the Chinese are, are converting cropland into cities and factories And, in fact, what's happening today, this is one of the things that alarms me the most, is the Chinese are buying land in Africa, agricultural land. Uh, Many of the nations in the Middle East are buying land in Africa. Africa seems to be like the one place where you can can still get land uh, inexpensively. Uh, You know, you're putting people, you know, you're, you're just certainly taking food out of the mouths of those people in Africa when you do that. But the people who can afford it are buying land because they see the writing on the wall that they have, their population is continuing to increase. And in the case of China and India, their population is uh, becoming more affluent. And that means they're wanting more food and um, food of, uh, that's higher up the food chain. Lester Brown is really concerned about that. He's also concerned about, uh, uh, the, the water issue that, uh, uh, most of the, ma- the world's major rivers uh, do not run uh, their full course 12 months of the year today, and uh, the, in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, uh, within a couple of years, is projected to no longer be able to grow wheat uh, because they're pumping their aquifers dry. We're doing that here in the United States. You know, we're, it's one of those shifting baselines things where we're doing it just slowly enough. Well, the aquifer drops, you know, a foot or ten feet every year uh it doesn't raise you have to be really paying attention for that to cause you concern but if you look at if you're looking down the year the road 50 years or 100 years then you're really concerned
2: where is that water going
3: uh that water is going uh primarily into irrigating uh cropland um but uh, certainly uh a fair amount of that is also going into to cities we're becoming heavily urbanized and so we're actually, uh, well, Colorado is a great example. In the state of Colorado, we are slowly buying the water rights from agriculture. We are, uh, we are killing agriculture slowly in the state of Colorado in order that we can continue to grow the population centers along Colorado's front range. Um,
2: so at some point, we, we are preventing this water from being recycled into the system.
3: Well, you know, it always gets recycled into the system. That's the nice thing is the water doesn't go away permanently, but, but we have a finite supply of water on, on the planet and more and more of it is, is being tied up in some use. You know, you can only use so much of it at any one time. And so it's being reappropriated and of course, uh, uh, climate change. Uh, if, if, if it's really happening and it certainly appears that it is, uh, melting glaciers, that's going to change things a lot. Uh, a lot of the water, the water's not going away, but it's going to be in the ocean. Uh, a lot of people think, okay, well, we'll just desalinate it. Well, you know, that's one of those, uh, Pandora's boxes. Desalination doesn't come at, at no cost. It's very energy intensive. And, uh, what do you do with the salt? You end up with, uh, you know, creating new problems in the ocean as you take the the salt out of the water, so the ocean isn't really isn't really a good long long term answer. Uh, let me think of what else is on the list. Soil, soil is a really big one because it takes something like two hundred to a thousand years for the earth to just uh, replenish uh, an inch of topsoil. Um, so if you use all the nutrients in that inch of topsoil in fifteen or twenty years, you're you're mining it. You're liquidating the planet of fertile topsoil. And that's exactly what we're doing. We've been temporarily getting away with it because we have been uh, using oil and natural gas to, uh, to fertilize. Uh, but we're basically farming way too intensively. And as we run out of oil and natural gas, uh, we're going to discover that we can't, even, we can't even maintain the status quo. Today, uh, this year, we're going to hit 7 billion people on the planet 5 billion of them are being fed adequately or, or better uh, we can't we can't keep that up because the only way we're doing that today is by converting millions of years of solar energy stored uh, in, as fossil fuels we're converting that into into food today and that won't be available to us that's going to be in uh, shorter and shorter supply going forward so uh, people like Lester Brown are really uh, alarmed about that and he's not a, a Talking about overpopulation as much as I am, I tend to like to talk about the the uh, subject of overpopulation. Why? Because we're afraid to talk about it. I tend to be a rebel. I like to, <laughs> I like to, get myself in trouble, and I like to ask the the tough questions. And we assume that we can't solve the problem by uh, reining in the rate of overpopulation. We assume we're going to hit nine billion by two thousand fifty, and there is nothing we can do about it. And by assuming that. We guarantee there's nothing we can do about it right we're afraid to talk about it. We're afraid to just simply suggest that it might be more responsible to stop at one or two children or not to have any children if you're if you're so inclined. Uh, we haven't even tried that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we could get the population of the world uh, we could drop the population of the world we could cut it in half in the course of a hundred years voluntarily it's possible. Uh but we're afraid to talk about that. We're not afraid to meanwhile to go to Las Vegas and roll the dice and gamble on uh, that uh uh geoengineering will solve climate change or that uh you know or that carbon sequestration will be successful, that we'll really be able to develop uh clean coal or maybe nuclear energy uh we can make we can make that safe. We're we're willing to roll those dice on those are all very iffy technologies and almost every Every technological fix we, ends up coming at some kind of a cost down the road. Uh, but we're not willing to just do what is actually easy, and that is to say, you know what? It would be really responsible and better for your children if you had started your family a little later or had a, had a smaller family.
1: You know what just came to mind, and uh, it's kind of interesting to think about, is uh, I personally believe that uh, – uh some of the big corporations that are doing the um the gmos and the uh genetic engineering of our food actually have eugenics as part of their agenda um, uh, as far as you know creating these uh genetically modified organisms that actually the studies have shown you know, cause infertility in rats and, you know, there's not been a lot of human studies, but I was just, I was just thinking about their whole agenda and how that, I I don't know, maybe it doesn't tie in, but I just wanted, you know, it just came into my mind and I'm just wondering your thoughts on that.
3: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's very interesting. (laughs) Uh, My thought was sort of uh, in the opposite direction, thinking that uh, Monsanto probably would love for us to never, rain in overpopulation because we would be desperate to to keep on seeking these techno fixes mm-hmm. like uh, genetically modified seeds. Mm. But uh, it's interesting you brought that up. It could be that it could be that a, uh, one of the uh, negative impacts of one of these technological fixes could actually end up solving the overpopulation problem in a somewhat unpleasant way. Yeah. hadn't thought about that.
2: We had a William F. Engdahl on the show a few weeks ago and he was presenting some compelling evidence linking the Rockefeller family to eugenics programs. And they're also linking that to the the development of GMOs and definitely some, some food for thought there. Wow. That's
1: yeah. His book is called seeds of destruction and, um, he The thing about William Ingdahl is he really meticulously researches everything. He will not talk about anything that he hasn't for, uh, thoroughly researched. So um, it's a very compelling book and um, an interesting, I, I don't think it's just a theory. That's just my personal belief. I think there's a lot to it.
3: Wow. Well, I'm all for reducing fertility but not by that uh method. I know. Nothing. I, I think, know. Uh, I know. I think we can all just make uh, really wise informed decisions and voluntarily do the right thing.
1: Yeah.
2: What do well, you think of the the measures that China has taken in regards to I don't know if we have enough time before we take this next break. Yeah, not fair to ask that question when we're a minute away from yeah. break. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we'll we'll get back to that um when we come back.
1: Yeah. Well, for the next uh, segment. Yeah, we're going to We might as well just go ahead and take a break because I I want you to answer that question and, and you can't do it in 30 seconds. So you are listening to Food Integrity Now and we will be right back with Dave Gardner and his movie is called Growth Busters. I'm Carol Gravay, and I'm a certified life coach and one of the hosts of the Food Integrity Now show right here on Castle Rock Radio. Have you ever dreamed of swimming with the wild and free dolphins? I'm not talking about the ones in captivity like the ones at Dolphin Quest. I'm talking about swimming with them in the wild. If this is something you've only dreamt about doing, I invite you to mark this off your bucket list now and join me for an all-inclusive trip to swim with the wild dolphins. Your trip to paradise will include organic gourmet meals, ocean waterfront accommodations, lomi lomi massage, and much more. What are you waiting for? Now is the time to make your dream a reality. For more information, go to wilddolphinswimadventures.com or contact me at carol at coachwithcarol.com or 719-687-7447. Once again, that's 719 719- Mahalo.
4: Are you seeking understanding and assistance in healing your depression and anger or lack of passion? Hi, my name is Tammy Urbanik at Empowerment Through Healing, and I'm a medium clairvoyant who can work with your spirit guides to assist you. Your spirit guides can offer solutions and understanding at current life issues that you're facing. Visit www.empowermentthroughhealing.com for more information, and you can call me at 719-641-2017.
2: Welcome back to Food Integrity. Now we are talking with the producer of the film Growth Busters, Dave Gardner. Before the break, I'd ask Dave the question: What he thought about China's measures of reducing population growth um, and requiring that each family only have only have one uh, one child? Uh, tell us about what do you what do you think of that about that, Dave?
3: Well, I think we we don't have three hours to talk about that. And we probably could, but uh but I'm really glad to have the opportunity to discuss it because one of the one of the worst things about China's one policy has been that it has provided a an escape hatch for all for so many conversations about population growth. Uh when someone's uncomfortable with the subject, all they have to say is, Well, boy, really can't go there because boy look at what happened in china there was that was just really oppressive and some really horrible things uh, happened because china tried to do something about overpopulation so we dare not do anything about overpopulation well that you know that really oversimplifies things and and just because uh, a nation had a bad experience with uh, with a policy doesn't mean that we shouldn't explore a vast range of other possibilities including just population information which is what i pushed for but um but i'd really love to if you're interested let's talk a little bit more depth in depth about the the one child policy in china uh, the problem with that policy uh a couple of couple of things were one of the biggest problems with that policy wasn't that the, that that policy itself but it was that it uh it enabled gender inequity to uh, rear its ugly head uh gender inequity uh, is as much responsible for the imbalance in male versus female population in China uh, as that, that much so or more so responsible for that than the one child policy. And also uh, certainly I would never condone the, uh, the rogue officials who uh, ex- executed that policy really poorly. I mean, that policy was definitely uh, poorly uh, implemented in a lot of cases. The policy itself tended to be, uh, if you just look at the policy, it wasn't that oppressive. It was a a fine uh, and it was based on your ability to pay. So that alone, you know, you'd love to have the government, everybody once says they want to keep the government out of the bedroom and I'd love to keep the government out of the bedroom too. So, uh, so I don't want to defend the one child policy completely, but to just dismiss dealing with population because of the uh... some of the problems related to china's implementation of it i think are, are unfair and it's interesting that china a couple of th- interesting things about china they are finding now as they really focus on equality and respect for women they're discovering that the uh... uh... imbalance between the genders is, is uh... it's not even yet but it is it is starting to even out even though the one-child policy is still in in effect the other interesting thing is that actually there is some talk about uh doing away with the one child policy in China. And interestingly, the reason for that is a concern uh that they're going to have this uh age bubble, that they're going to have a a, a large n- number of people in the elderly population and a lot fewer factory workers to be uh cranking out goodies to be sold to to uh, uh provide the I don't know if it's a, the revenue to support uh, people in their old age. And that's actually a, a discussion that happens everywhere. I mean, that even that's even discussed in the United States, that we can't rein in population growth because then we would have fewer young people to support uh, the Social Security program so that old folks can retire. Well, certainly there are challenges related to that. Anytime we, if we are successful at... Uh, limiting family size and making more responsible decisions about, about family size and In the interests of our, of our future generations, we're definitely going to feel a little bit of pain as we go through a temporary bubble where there are a few more older people than there are younger people. But, uh, but the concern about that is really overblown. Uh, one, the, the problems uh, that that creates are are really minuscule compared to the problems we're creating by continuing to increase the population. Uh, so just to suggest that we keep this Ponzi scheme going, uh, that we have to, that each generation has to be larger than the last so that we can all sit fat and happy and, and have young people support us in our old age, I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's just physically not possible. So we really need to get over that. Uh, and it's a really selfish approach to say let's not do anything about population growth because we want to be able to retire and, and have uh, young generations support us. Uh, another fallacy that's involved in that is that uh young people are actually uh require support and in fact you know until they're 20 uh they are if you want if you want to commodify people and i don't really like to do that but if you just want to look at the numbers uh, you know they are a, a net drain on an economy uh older people don't tend to spend 20 years being a net drain on the economy they spend a much shorter period of their life being a drain if you want to call it that uh, you know, requiring some uh, some subsidy, I guess you could say. Um, also, we are um, healthier, longer, so uh, we don't have to retire uh, at 65. We can, you know, people today can be very productive members of society well into their 70s and even 80s in a lot of cases. I so. don't
1: know if that's going to continue to be true, though, as as we see diseases like diabetes and heart disease and those dis- you know, diseases on the uprise because of the poor quality of our food.
3: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And in fact, we're starting to see our lifespan is even... Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I don't think that's going to necessarily be the case.
3: And actually, you know, it's there's such a complex array of issues at play here. Uh, right now, we're trying to create jobs. Just, let's just talk about the United States. Uh, you know, the goal is to create 250,000 jobs a month if we can in order to... To, to catch up, to, to reduce unemployment and, and get caught up. And that is just, that is tough, tough to do. Uh, and uh, the solution that we aren't talking about when it comes to unemployment is job sharing, for everybody to cut back, everybody to work a little less uh, so that more people can, ha- can have work. And so I, I hate to suggest that people don't retire at 60 or 65. I think it can be good for our economy overall for us to retire and let someone else have a job and then we can enjoy the good life and you know we really should be able to do that uh, we've had a good 150 years of increasing productivity that we should have been able to convert into more leisure time time for us to pursue the things that really matter uh, and this is an interesting part of the growth busters film i think you'll really you'll share my excitement about and that is that if we uh if we can get off this hamster wheel that we've got on where we've got to, you know, we're we're keeping up with the Joneses and we've got to materially be better off next year than we were this year. We have to have a bigger house. We have to have a nicer car. We have to vacation in Cabo. We've got to have a vacation, uh, a vacation home uh, in the ski, you know, at a ski resort. Uh, Well, certainly that required that has required us to work harder and harder instead of taking more time uh, as we became more productive. Well, what do you wish for when you're on your deathbed do you wish you'd bought one more condo or jetted off uh, to uh, to mexico for one more vacation no you wish you spent more time with your kids more time hiking fishing uh, more time holding hands with your with your partner more time learning uh mike nickerson was one of the, uh, a gentleman i i interviewed who runs the sustainability institute in canada uh, mike calls it the 3 ls L- loving, learning, and laughing,
1: wow, I
3: like that yeah we we've been depriving ourselves of these things in our quest for more uh, so uh so the good news is if we can get unhooked from our growth addiction, we actually get to have better lives, more more fulfilling lives because we have more time uh, to do those things, and we could be doing that today uh, we could all be everyone who has a job today in the United States let's not say everyone, but a lot of us could be working half time and Someone else could be doing the other half of that job. Uh, the, tr- the trouble is we've kind of worked ourselves into this system where...
1: We have to have X amount of dollars that's to... That's right.
3: We can't just throw the switch.
1: Right, right. Yeah. It's got to be a gradual thing, I would think. Yeah. So do you discuss that in the film? I mean, do you, it, in, in the film, do you have, like, solutions or do you just... We Tell do. me a little bit more about the film. Well, we
3: start then... to explore the solutions. Uh, you know, the film. my goal for the film is to make it 90 minutes. Uh, it'll probably feel like 45 minutes because it's going to be fast and furious and, and really engaging. Uh, but I want to, I want people to walk out of the theater after 90 minutes uh, energized and, and engaged. But I want them to be alarmed, too. Right. Uh, so this is like a splash of cold water to the face. It's a wake-up call. It's to say, hey, you know, we are in that car speeding toward that cliff. Is that really what you want to do? Uh, but it's also good news. It's good news that if we can turn the wheel, and put our foot on the brake that it opens up a great world of possibilities for us to actually have more enjoyable, more fulfilling lives. Uh, But the big question is, how do we do it? In 90 minutes, I don't think I can fully answer that question. And, in fact, I don't know all the answers because we've got to get our culture, we've got to get this growth addiction out of our DNA, out of our bloodstream, before we can even invent all of the solutions. But we'll definitely spend some time in the film uh, visiting some great models out there, some great movements, some great thinkers, groups of people who are today exploring those solutions. I'll mention one uh, would be one of my favorites is transition towns. Trans- transition towns are uh, groups of people around the world who are exploring how how are they going to live in a post peak oil world. They're trying to figure out uh, uh, how do we how do we have fulfilled lives? How are our needs going to be met? if we burn a lot less coal and a lot less oil. Uh, because what, what that means is we can't uh, be ordering everything we need over the internet and having it FedEx to us overnight. Uh, our food can't be trucked to us from 1,500 miles away. Uh, we can't throw away uh, something every time when it breaks. We've got to be able to fix things. We've got to be able to grow food, food locally, things like that.
1: Well, we definitely have become a world of wanting instant gratification, and we want it now. You know, because look, look how fast everything has sped up. Technology, you know, somebody asks a question. Oh, here, let me get it answered. Two seconds on the internet. You have your information right there. And we're used to that. So it seems to me that it will be tough to, like you said, uh, changing that in our DNA to think differently, to, to, you know, re-educate ourselves about um, being different and, and reprioritizing i think it's is a good way of putting it
3: uh part of that is, is redefining the good life i mean right. right now we have a you know we've kind of got a false god um you know what we're per- pursuing isn't the statistics bear this out the research bears this out that we are we really aren't increasing our happiness doing what we're doing today so that's really the opportunity that i'm really excited about is uh we uh we we've hit the wall, and right. we and we aren't happier. And more and more of us are recognizing we aren't happier. Plus, this uh, great recession that we're living through na- through now, I think, is Mother Nature sort of hitting back and saying, "Whoa, you really can't do that anymore." I don't think we can return. We can't climb back on that same horse. So we're uh, we're poised to explore different ways of doing things. So so it is a real unique opportunity to. Change the whole paradigm.
1: Yeah, I agree. And in the thought that a lot of people think that we just need to to do it more quickly and faster and get on that treadmill and keep it going, and then we'll get back to what we used to. It's not going to work anymore.
3: No. And you mentioned instant gratification. You know, we're not getting. We're really not getting real gratification. We're on this uh, hedonic treadmill where. You get a, you know, you buy the latest iPhone and you have a week of uh, euphoria about it. And then you're right back where you started. Yeah. Because a new one comes out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's
1: fake. Well, we are going to take a break. This is just really interesting information. We're listening to filmmaker Dave Gardner, and we will be right back.
0: If you are looking for some flavorful, healthy, fresh food, come out to Maximilian's Cafe in Woodland Park, Colorado, focusing on local, fresh ingredients with a changing seasonal menu. Located at 209 East Midland Avenue, Woodland Park, Colorado, right off Highway 24 in downtown. Our walls are full of local artist artwork, And on Friday and Saturday nights, we feature local singers, songwriters, and performers to entertain you while you relax and enjoy a fun environment, a glass of wine, and fantastic food. Open seven days a week from 11 to 9 p.m., 11 to 8 p.m. on Sunday and Monday.
4: experiencing anxiety, anger, depression, or low self-esteem? Do you beat yourself up or sabotage what you truly want to achieve? Hi, this is Jeannie Smith, and at Open Heart Healing, I combine counseling, gestalt therapy, and Taiyi energy work to assist those who truly desire to bring quality and joy back into their lives. My office is located on South Perry Street here in Castle Rock. Call me for a free consultation at 303-660-6373. Again, That's 303-660-6373 or visit me at openhearthealing.com
5: Holistic Pathways is your local herbal medicine clinic. You can find them online at holisticpathways.com Holistic Pathways supplies certified organic and ethically wildcrafted bulk medicinal herbs, herbal extracts, and essential oils. Holistic Pathways offers Mayan abdominal massage and specializes in women's health and fertility. Call 720-570-2454 to speak to a certified clinical herbalist today. That's Holistic Pathways at 720-570-2454.
1: Welcome back to Food Integrity Now. We're talking with documentary filmmaker Dave Gardner about his upcoming movie, Growth Busters. Dave, how did you get involved in wanting to do this type of movie, and how's it going?
3: Well, that's an interesting question, and it actually relates to the content of the film because I uh, reluctantly uh, decided that my story would be a part of the film. So that's one thing that's unusual about this. You might call Growth Busters an environmental film. But it won't be typical because it uh, it actually spends some time chronicling uh, the adventures of Dave Gardner, Growth Buster, uh, uh, tilting at windmills in a way. And uh, it all started when I looked at my own community, my hometown of Colorado Springs, and I looked at how growth addicted this town was, and I looked at the the price we were paying. We were giving up quality of life. We were certainly increasing our ecological footprint in a, in a quest for this Holy grail of uh, prosperity that comes, uh, I call it the pot of gold at the end of the growth rainbow. Uh, And yet we never seemed to just, just like a rainbow. We never could get to the end of the rainbow and find that pot of gold. And yet we were really kind of trashing our lives in in, in pursuit of it. So I stood up and I, and I started trying to uh, convince my community to, to come up with a different prosperity strategy. Let's change our goal. Uh, we, we know we can't grow forever. Uh, so, so why don't we f- figure out what will uh, make our lives better, what will make our town economically uh, healthy uh, in, in a way that doesn't require on s- some kind of a Ponzi scheme? Well, uh, I would go, I would go talk to elected officials. Uh, I would say I would point out, you know this is a growth subsidy. this is a, a pub- public policy that's not sustainable. Well, what would happen? I would get trashed by the elected officials. If I was lucky, I might uh, get patted on the back by a few supporters. And then business as usual would continue. And it happened every time. I, I could not get the the community engaged around around this. And part of it was because of this cultural myth. Even though they all tended to suspect, yeah, things aren't really going that well. We're really not getting what we want. It's Taxes are increasing. Traffic jams are are worse. Uh, air quality is poor. Water is more expensive. What are we getting from this? But the cultural myth of that growth leads to prosperity is so strong that they dared not question it. So I decided, okay, the public is not ready to uh, to rally behind Dave Gardner, growth buster. Uh, as a growth buster, I'm I'm misunderstood, uh, underappreciated. <laughs> uh, um, and, and I wanted to change that. I wanted to make it okay to to be against growth. And you know what kind of growth we're talking about? Yeah. Certainly, personal growth is great. Yeah. Um, but uh, but further ex- physical expansion of the of the human enterprise just can't go on. So uh, if the public wasn't ready, wasn't ready to rally behind me, what could I do? Well, professional filmmaker communicator. I thought I'll make a film to raise awareness. So. That's what I'm doing, and in the process, I've decided I really had to kind of chronicle just how hard it is to to do this. So, so in the film, you'll see not only how hard it has been in my community for me to get people uh, to rally behind uh, busting growth and finding a new prosperity strategy, but it's been hard to make the film too. It's taken me five years to make the film. Uh, because I've I've struggled to to get foundation funding to to find uh, wealthy philanthropists to help support the project. It's a nonprofit project. Your your contributions to the project are tax deductible in the United States. And yet I have not been able to raise uh, the full budget for the film. Why? Well, because until people see the film, a lot of people are still hung up on that cultural myth. They don't understand growth busters. What? <laughs> What are you talking about? You know they don't get it.
1: Let me ask you: How can people learn more about your project and your film, and and get involved if they want to?
3: Well, thanks for asking that. A great way is to visit uh, growthbusters.org. Uh, we've got a, a great website, and at that website, if you really want to, uh, you can certainly investigate the issues. But if you uh, if you know that you want to help, if you believe this film needs to be seen, there are specific ways you can help that the the website helps you with. You can. Number one, you can subscribe to uh, onto our email list so that you'll be notified of when the film is is out. Uh, number two, you can actually join our volunteer network. We've got, this surprised me, but we've got a grassroots support network around the world of people who cannot wait to see this film. They know the world needs this film. And so I have people around the world helping us right now. There are ways that you can help Um a uh, third way is to uh, contact me. My contact information is at the website. And you can make a commitment today to uh, to help spread the word about the film, to uh, commit your organization to promote the film, and hopefully even to host a screening of the film, because that's how the film's going to be seen. When, it, when it's released this fall, uh, organizations around the world and individuals around the world are going to set up screenings in their living rooms, in their backyards, in their community centers, their churches, their synagogues. Uh, uh, they'll rent movie theaters, whatever they have to do to get the film seen. And then the fun part is they, they probably need to go kidnap the uh, uh, their mayor, their town council, uh, and all the growth addicts that they know and uh, tie them to their chairs and make them watch the film and see if we can't give them a wake-up call too. So that's the big thing is uh, visit the website. There's great opportunities there. We do have a Facebook page. If you search for Growth Busters on Facebook, uh, you can find us. And, uh,
1: and there's a uh, movie trailer out all, that people can yep. just get a little snippet of what yep. the film is about at
3: and, the website. And yeah. uh, if you scroll down on the homepage, you'll actually get into our our uh, YouTube channel videos. We have a number of videos on uh, the Growth Buster channel on uh, YouTube, and we try to put up something new every now and then because we're busy. Yeah. Uh, one of my most successful YouTube videos was actually one where I was distributing uh, endangered species condoms for the Center for Biological Diversity. They, uh, I don't know if you heard about that campaign. No, it was great. No. <laughs> uh, Center for Biological Diversity, they, they said, we want to raise awareness of the fact that human overpopulation is a huge factor in species extinction. So they uh, uh, asked for volunteers around the, uh, the United States to give away condoms that have great packaging with uh, art that depicts some uh, threatened and endangered species and some facts about uh, population and its impact on habitat. And uh, so I walked around and and handed those out and engaged people in conversations about that subject. And it was really pretty, it was kind of like Jay Leno's jaywalking uh, segments. it's pretty entertaining.
1: <laughs> Is that on your website also?
3: Um, yeah, if you scroll down on the homepage to the videos, you'll find it on the website.
1: So the film is going to be coming out in September? Yes. And uh, is there going to be a hometown screening of the film in, in Colorado Springs? Is it like an opening? or? You oh, can you do- can
3: bet. Because because Colorado Springs is one of the big stars, yeah. and even the state of Colorado is is a big star, I expect some, some good screenings to take place in Colorado. Uh, we're going to be entering it in film festivals, so hopefully okay. it'll be at a film festival near you. Um, and I'll certainly uh, take some responsibility for getting a a screening in Colorado Springs. But, but we are today collecting, uh, you know, we've got a database that we've started where people have said, raise their hand and say, I'm in, uh, Auckland, New Zealand. And I, you know, my group wants to screen the film when it comes out. And so we've got them on our list and we'll make it very easy for them to, we'll give them all the materials they need to, to do a screening, whether it's for 10 people or 200 people, we'll welcome all opportunities.
1: Well, I'm excited to see the film and can't wait for it to come out and to learn more about this this topic, because I think it's an important topic that a lot of people maybe haven't even thought about.
3: Well, I want to salute you for having the courage to uh, to invite me to appear uh, and and talk about it and for, for your curiosity about the subject you know, I don't know how much time we have, but if we have, if I have a minute, so
1: yeah, you, a do, couple.
3: you know, things like, yeah. you know, I know you're, uh, you know, you're focusing, uh, great energy on, uh, on integrity of our food. Right. And there are people in the, in the world who are focusing great energy on protecting our rivers, uh, center for biological diversity, focusing their energy on, on, uh, uh, habitat protection and, uh, and, uh, stemming biodiversity loss. Uh, there are uh, there are so many great causes out there, but I, what I like to say is that there are, uh, each of those is like a tree in the forest, and it's an important tree, and they're doing important work. Uh, but but somebody had to sort of step up and say, well, let's just take a look at the whole forest, yeah. and I think that's what I'm doing. I'm saying Good. what what is it about our system that is creating all of those problems and making them worse? And in most cases, you know, they're they're fighting battles that where they're slowly losing. Mm-hmm. That if if we can't come to terms. And with our growth addiction and get into a recovery program, we will probably lose every one of those battles. And I don't want to see us do that. And I think we're smarter than a frog and we can <laughs> we can do better, I hope.
1: Yeah. We've just been so conditioned, you know, and that's, uh, and programmed.
3: Yeah. I call it drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah. We've uh,
1: been, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you watch television and you're programmed, you know, our kids start at an early age, they're programmed and, uh, you know, we need to change that.
3: In the old days, when you went to a movie theater and watched a movie, they had to change reels every seven minutes, I believe it was. Um, and there was a little mark up in the corner of the frame that would pop up to tell the projectionist it's time to start the next projector. And then another mark would pop up to say, switch the projector. And, because I'm a filmmaker, when I was a film student, that was pointed out to me. Before I was aware of that, you know, I never saw it. But once it was pointed out to me, then I couldn't miss it. Today, you don't see that anymore. But for the longest time, every time I watched a movie, every seven minutes, I saw that thing. Um, growth addiction is like that. Once, you, or, And the Kool-Aid is. Once yeah. you become aware of what's in the Kool-Aid, that you're being served every day, uh, it'll never... You'll never accept it uh, the same. You'll, yeah. Your your awareness of it will take away some of that power.
1: Which is what we try to do on this show is just um, bring these issues into people's awareness so that they, they can know and then they can make a choice from there.
3: Empowering people. Empowering
1: yep. the people. So thank you for all the great work you're doing. And we'll look forward to seeing your film next September. And you can find out more at growthbusters.org. And Dave... It's been just a pleasure having you on our show, so thank you.
3: Thank you both very thank much. Thank you, Dave.
1: And you are listening to Food Integrity Now. Thank you very much. Imagine all the feet-